Welcome to episode seven of what we call the Primary Pod. All of our work at Primary Source on New England Cable News, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m., is focused on primary politics. We're like 60% New Hampshire primary and like 20% decision 2020 everywhere else, and then it's been like 20% uh, impeachment. And Brian Shackman here. I host both Primary Source and the Primary Pod. This is episode seven. We want to welcome in Paul Steinhauser. And if you don't know who Paul is, he works for Fox News and the Concord Monitor. And he is one of the four people at the table when every candidate comes through to officially file for the primary. Now, Paul, first of all, welcome to the show. Great to be here, and it, you know, it took you seven podcasts to get me on, but I'm not, <laughs> not saying anything. Oh, yeah. He's not telling you he canceled on us like five times. <laughs> um, listen, how do you get a spot at that table? I mean, you know, it's funny. It seems like yourself and the gentleman from WMUR are steadies, and the other side kind of isn't always the same. Or just So, you know, let me just tell the story real quick. Every single candidate goes through for filing period and has to go into the Secretary of State's office in New Hampshire, and they sign the paper, hand over the $1,000 check to Bill Gardner, the Secretary of State, and they go over to another conference room, which really isn't a conference room. I mean, it's, it's, it's a table. It's a table. That's it. it and, and some old school filing cabinets. And then they have like a small news conference uh, with several cameras, but there's certain people are always at the table, and you're one of them. How did you get that spot? Got to be a New Hampshire-based Reporter. And so, and there's, you know, the, the, unfortunately, just like we've seen in the industry, uh, especially on the print side, it, it's decaying. So there's not a lot of political reporters who are based in New Hampshire left. Uh, you're right, MUR, obviously the only TV station based in the state. They're always there. The Union Leader, which yep. is the largest newspaper. I, uh, even though I'm with Fox full time, I also write a lot for the Concord Monitor and another newspaper, the Seacoast Online newspaper. So I get a spot at the table. Uh, NHPR is the NPR yeah, station in the state. And then finally, there's the AP reporter based in New Hampshire. That's basically it nowadays in New Hampshire when it comes to the political press corps. I, I want to get to Michael Bloomberg because that's the really the reason why I wanted to have you mm-hmm. on a primary pod. But I do want to ask you about that process for you. Uh, is it fun? Do you enjoy it? Or is it oh, a yeah. grind? Like, how do you because you're literally six feet away from the person who could rule the free world. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is nuts. I remember in the 16th cycle, I must have interviewed Donald Trump uh, more than a dozen times. And uh, Did he actually remember your name? Probably not, anyway. Yeah, I think he was actually very good at reaching out and uh, playing nice with the New Hampshire political press corps. He needed us, right? New Hampshire was his first big victory. But it is great. Listen, I love covering sports. Uh, I love following sports. Covering politics, that's the ultimate sport with an incredibly large payoff. Yeah, that's true. We're talking with Paul Steinhauser here on the Primary Pod. I want to talk about Michael Bloomberg because, mm-hmm. you, you know, I think overarching all this, I was really shocked last week with how kind of angry he made the entire Democratic field. And, of course, being worth $50 billion plus uh, makes him very unique in that Democratic field. And so many of the candidates have prided themselves on a grassroots campaign and I just, I'm, I'm wondering, is that ire authentic, or are they just scared that he will actually succeed at virtually buying the nomination? Both. I mean, this is unprecedented. You thought Donald Trump had some money? Uh, I mean, this is just... I actually think Donald Trump has less money than he, than he <laughs> says he, he does, does. <laughs> but I know Bloomberg has every penny of that $50 billion plus. Yeah. Uh, he makes Tom Steyer, who has been flooding the airwaves in New Hampshire and the other early voting states with ads. He spent about $40 million already since July when he jumped in. Here here comes Bloomberg. and you're, you're That's a day's t- work. It's a day. 
<laughs> I mean, this this uh, this I add by that started, and you're seeing it right here in Massachusetts in your in your markets and across the country. I mean, this is a, a 33, 34 million dollar ad buy. It's astronomical. It's the probably the largest week long ad. It is the largest week long ad buy in history. So yes, they're concerned about the money, but they're also concerned. You know, one of the issues, not the top issue, but one of the issues in this entire campaign when it comes to Democratic presidential primaries has been money in politics. And these candidates have been stepping over each other to say that they're going to clean it up and get the big bucks and the dark money out of politics. And here comes Michael Bloomberg. It's his own money. That's true. It's not dark, but it's very, very big. Exactly. So that's another reason they're all so upset. And he's done something that nobody else could do. He's pretty much unified the entire field in criticizing him. Now, I'm just curious if you think it's at all possible for him to succeed and you know, I, I, I find it, I, I go on both sides of it. It's not like he's like Joe Schmo billionaire, like if you had a Sheldon Adelson jump in. I mean, he's actually, he, he, a lot of people felt he bought the New York City election initially. I mean, he wanted to do it for a long, long time and eventually did a good job. And he, you know, he's had a lot of controversy about how he ran his company, but the company has made a tremendous amount of money for a lot of people, including himself. I mean, do you, I mean, he wouldn't do it if he didn't think he could. But do you think he actually has a chance to win the nomination? Yes, because of that money and his name recognition. He's, you know, he jumped into the race. Everybody knows Michael Bloomberg. Uh, almost as high as Donald Trump when he jumped in back in 2015. Uh, but yeah, Bloomberg is extremely well known. And also for his causes. Remember, he has bankrolled some, he's put some serious money into the battle to curb gun, uh, right. gun violence and also climate change, which are two huge issues for Democratic primary voters. Not being in the earlier states is going to hurt him. He's not going to get that momentum from, from Iowa to New Hampshire to uh, Nevada to South Carolina. But at the same time, if anybody could pull this off, it's going to be Bloomberg. So I want to talk about two quick things before I let you go. One is that exact strategy that yeah. he's going to do a national strategy and sort of skip these early states. Now, Donald Trump, he, he did sort of did both, but he created this incredible rally culture where he could touch the hands and the spirits of 15,000-plus people in one shot. Uh, but Bloomberg could maybe do that. He would have to do that for a national campaign, but the personalities are so different. There's no zeitgeist. There's mm-hmm. no desire, no hunger that he could strike the way Trump found this sort of nerve that brought these people out. So I I find it difficult for him to run a national campaign like that because I don't think he's going to get 15,000 people out of the, the, the in some euphoric spirit to show up at a rally. Yeah, it's not going to be about the ground game. It's going to be about air wars for, for Bloomberg. That's pretty clear. It's so it's be, all about the advertising for him. It seems like that. And he's got the money now, obviously, to build up a pretty strong organization, campaign organization. But I don't think you're going to see him in the states he'll be campaigning and doing a lot of uh, you know, town halls or uh, or doing house parties, kind of the traditional retail stuff. You know, Trump didn't do a lot of that, but he did spend a lot of time in New Hampshire. And that victory in New Hampshire uh, uh, gave him a big boost, gave him momentum. And it just kept go- going from there. Uh, Bloomberg won't have any momentum, obviously, coming out of the early voting states because he won't be in them. And he won't be on the debate stages, at least. At all. So that... that so I just I'm curious about it. But the other thing I find him vulnerable mm-hmm. in a couple of respects. You know, one is uh, the this billionaire thing is something obviously his opponents will hit hard. But then if he did get the nomination, I think he's vulnerable in a couple other ways. So we can talk about uh, there are rumors that, w- that women didn't get treated the uh, the best at his company. Uh, Stop and frisk is hugely controversial within New York City. And then I think this whole like the sugary drink thing, you know, the cigarette thing. It was good. For, like you and I know. 
that Mountain Dew a couple times a day is bad for your teeth. You mm-hmm. and I know that smoking cigarettes is bad for your health. But in terms of like Republicans and Libertarians and some independents, there's a freedom there. They believe it's up to people to choose what they want. And I'm, I think there's a lot of pushback on that whole element of like Bloomberg really dictated to people what their habits had to be. And I think a lot of Americans, especially in the interior of this country, don't like that. Yeah, the nanny state. And, you know, he did it for good reason, but a lot of people don't want the government telling them what they can drink, what they can, eat, what they have to eat. And that whole nanny state idea, if perchance he wins the nomination, you're going to see that const- he'll be constantly under attack because because of his record in, in New York City. The frisk, the stop and frisk, he just had to do a mea copa on that yeah, in a major speech in New York. apologized yeah. for it. I, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? I mean, Al Sharpton said... That, you know, it was big of him to apologize, but just because you apologize doesn't mean it has to be accepted. And I think his larger point was lives were ruined by that. Right. So it's not like, oh, I'm running for president. I, I now know. And even if it's an authentic mea culpa, it doesn't necessarily clear it clean because there were real people whose lives were impacted by it and i i think that that's the pushback i think you know when i think of michael bloomberg i think of a lot of people in this race i think bloomberg probably as the chief executive of this country probably would do a decent job uh whether it's that he got in too late that he's not going to shake enough hands that he doesn't have the personality or there's all these other issues i just it is a a high mountain to climb and he has as you said at least 15 people who have a microphone who are telling everybody that he's doing it the wrong way and i think that's going to be really difficult to do but it is it it is fascinating and you know i want to bring up that last week poll in closing here because you know we've talked a lot you and i about how it's so undecided and there's four people none of them in the last poll were over 20 the only thing over 20% was undecided. But I want to talk like, what does that really mean? And who does it help? I, I just, everyone tells me that the result isn't going to be what we see now. That Howard Dean was ahead by mm-hmm. 30 points two months before the New Hampshire primary and he got shellacked. And so do you have any sense of, of what I'm not seeing that could happen? Like, I'm not asking you to go on record, but what scenarios that I don't foresee do you foresee? No, I don't know if I foresee them, but I could uh, understand if they happen. You know, somebody else could catch fire. Klobuchar could catch fire uh, in in New Hampshire. Uh, she's so, more of a smolder to flame. Yeah. I don't know. Cory Booker. Cory Booker is another one who's been up there a lot and who's uh, uh, built up a strong organization. So anything can happen. He he's, might not even make the December debate. I might, mean, he might not. He might. He's, you know, he's he's trying. He's got three polls to go, I believe. So he's still got a long way to go. I didn't even know he made one. Uh, so he did make one. Uh, maybe he I did. Thought he made one, but maybe either he way, made, either he's way. got a tall clock is climb. ticking. But New Hampshire is a state of late deciders. It is a state you of very always late say deciders. that it I, is true though, and I, the results I, in Iowa often. Sure. I think Play. 10%, I think at least 10% yes. will swing for whoever is a really good story out of Iowa. I believe that to be true. But I just want to know, you're sort of like a dart at the wall. I mean, do you really think it's Booker? Do you really think it's a Klobuchar? I mean, I'm, not, I'm not ruling anybody out right now. Tulsi Gabbard's at 6% in New Hampshire. I don't think she's going to win the nomination. Andrew Yang has got huge crowds up there as well and is polling in the mid-single digits. That's what's so unpredictable about this race right now. We don't have any clear frontrunner in New Hampshire or, or really in the other early I voting just, states I, I wanna, other than South Carolina. I want to know. I can't tell you, my friend. 
Because what, what I tell you now will be wrong by I know. early February. I, I try to tell you that I won't uh, hold you to it, but I probably would. Okay, Michael Bennett <laughs> wins the nomination. Yeah. Okay, is that First what you all, want? Michael Bennett, he's not going to win, but he's a wonderful guy Great and guy. a really smart person. And I'm glad he's the senator, and I he probably deserves a better look for president, but it just doesn't seem to be in the cards for him. We're talking with Paul Steinhauser from Fox News and from the Concord Monitor. In closing, you know, we ha- we've had different people down. We had Scott Spradley down in our last episode of primary good pod. man good man yeah and and you know we we just talked a little bit about the personal side of it and i just sort of want to end it like i know you have children and a family and this is a crazy thing but what happens to paul steinhauser when the circus leaves town you know what i mean <laughs> do you have to do like all your work and all your income in this 18 month stretch and then you just go to florida like how does it work <laughs> I, w- I wish i wish you know i remember the 16 cycle uh, when i was uh, just covering new hampshire Boy, things got nice and quiet, and we enjoyed that. This time around, though, with um, with Fox News, so the circus is going to continue. So you got to take it on the road. Yeah, I got to take it on the so road. So you're the carny now. <laughs> you don't just live in the town where the circus comes. <laughs> you're on the road. It's a great way to look at it. Well, I guess uh, I'm looking at it. Paul Steinhauser, we really appreciate it. And we'll catch up later as things progress, and your non-prognostication uh, will have to hold it to task.